Good morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning. How you doing on a Tuesday morning in Mesa, Arizona? Excellent. Temperature is going to rise a little bit here in town, isn't it? Oh, did you see that this morning on the news? I meant it's hovering around 115 all week. I got to checking to see uh, the highest temperature ever recorded in Arizona was 118 degrees. Well, I think we're headed there now. <laughs> I think that's right. I think it was 118 degrees back in 1994. Uh, doesn't seem all that high. I think it's 121. Anyway, we'll check it out, okay? Okay. We'll check that out. Sounds good to me. Yeah. How's, how's everything in the Evelyn Payne Robertson Browning world? Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I had to make sure you got all those names in there. I was thinking... I didn't want you to leave one out. Oh, no. we're not. We're no. Not. Pain comes first. Yes. Yes. And Browning comes current. Um, everything else is uh, copacetic. We're going to uh, invite a guest in today, uh, my sister Mary Lou. You want to make a phone call to Mary Lou and see how she's doing today. Mary Lou is one of eight children of Barney and Maud Browning and... Uh, she lives in, I guess she lives in Jackson, Missouri now with her son, Jack Edward. We'll see. Hello. Are you awake? Hello? Are you awake? <laughs> oh, we want to talk to you. You're on the Retired Rotors podcast, and uh, we wanted to chat with you. You being my other mother, my big sister, uh, wanted to see how you're doing. Well, I am doing just fine. Where are, we, where are you located? Where, huh? Uh, Jackson, Missouri. Jackson, Missouri. You're with your son, Jack Edward. And, uh, yes. Yes, yes. How you like it down yeah. there? Oh, I love it. His, I'm with uh, his uh, family. He has his wife, Tony, and his uh, oldest son, Alex, is in the Air Force, and he's stationed over in northern Japan and has two little babies and another one on the way. He married Judy. Uh, there's a girl from Okinawa. How many grandkids? Then, How, go ahead. Uh, okay, Ben is living here because he has some medical problems. And uh, Maggie is living in Cape Girardeau. And Jake is in high school. Mm-hmm. So this, this is just a small sampling of your family. Uh, how many grandchildren you have now? Sixteen. Oh my! You beat us! You beat us! How many kids you got? Last well, I counted, it was five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, Mary Lou, you're the uh, you're the fourth child born in the ranking of eight, and I'm the fifth child. 
So you're the baby of the first family, and I'm the uh, oldest of the second family. Do you consider the families to be uh, identified that way? Yes, I do. Why? But second, the second family was raised completely differently than I was. <laughs> uh, we lived on a farm. You know, I was born just about, you think a mile and a half or two miles from the Big Muddy River? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, which, of course, flowed into the Mississippi River. And I was born on it. It was country road. And, and uh, had three older brothers. And dad had been injured in a coal mine accident when mom was six months pregnant with me. And I was a difficult baby, so I've been told. But that has followed through my whole life. How so? I'm a difficult grown-up. <laughs> well, I'll dispute that. Uh, you were a breech birth. I know uh, my mother had a horrible, horrible time in delivering you. That's what I heard. And you just were the easiest. Uh, she had a horrible time delivering me. She had a wonderful time delivering you, and everything that was wrong with her insides went back perfectly. And uh, it was just, I was just a problem. Well, I think, uh, I think you're overstating that because uh, I've been very closely involved in your life, throughout your life, and uh, the fun and joy and uh, the the great things that, that that I've had. In fact, whenever you met and married Jack Shelton, that was basically the first day of my life because Jack and I became inseparable. And uh, uh, I even, uh, can I say that I even went with you on your honeymoon? Well, it's true, so I guess you can say it. <laughs> Tell me about uh, your. Tell me about your courting with Jack. Okay, but before we get off the subject of our family, Dad had been hurt. Uh, was it skull fracture in a coal mine accident? And he could work. He for a long time he couldn't even stand up. But when he was healing. He would walk the floor, and they say that I would walk the floor behind him. I was just a little tight, you know, and I would say, quack, quack, quack. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, <laughs> but he would turn around and look at me and say, if God could give me anything as beautiful as that, he can take care of everything. Now, do you think I'm conceited? <laughs> no, I think you're special. Because I know I've heard, I heard my mother uh, all her life say that you helped your father 
recuperate more than any kind of medicine or any kind of procedure in the world because he uh, the the light was killing him due to his skull fracture. And uh, he would sit in the back room in a darkened room and rock, and you were on his lap. And uh, you were the one he communicated with for a period of time there. So uh, you may be a little Florence Nightingale. Well, I may be. I probably am, Joe. But see, another thing, I almost killed my mom when I was born. <laughs> but I saved my dad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Well, uh, Mary Lou, the, the family, you know, mom and dad started out with basically nothing, but nobody did back in the 20s. And uh, they uh, kicked around, and uh, Dad got a job at the coal mines, and you're right, he was injured at Ziegler Number 1, a rock fall, and uh, he was taken to the hospital dead. He was, uh, uh, had to go to Barnes Hospital and hitchhike back and forth up to uh, Barnes Hospital to get treatment. Uh, that's a whole new story, and sometimes we'll go into the details of that, but he came back to that house on the riverbank there in Big Muddy Bottoms. He had four little kids with you being the baby. And from that, uh, they got a compensation from the coal mines. I think it was $3,000 for five years of pain and misery. And from that money, they purchased the farm out south of Benton from the University of Illinois for $10 an acre. And a month after they moved out there, I was born. So that's the reason we kind of separate the families, uh, the first family being the first four and the second family being the last four. And we did, uh, the second family, receive the kinds of benefits that were just denied to you guys. Well, yes, uh, just like being able to uh, go to better schools. Of course, I went to... McKinley and in a one-room school where uh, Kirby and Don and I don't know about Ken if he was still there probably but you know my memory some people can remember everything like me and some people make well some people make it up <laughs> like me <laughs> I think Ken was already in grade school by the time uh, you and Kirby and Don got to. I know Don went, uh, and I remember because I was in. Uh, I was five years old when my mother enrolled me at McKinley, and uh, for three years I was in a one-room country school, as were you. And then the schoolhouse burned down, and we all went to Douglas School. But do you ever reflect on the fact that? Doggone, we actually lived in the period of time of a one-room country school? Yes, and the fact that we could hear the teaching of the older grades. Uh, not only did we learn, you know, sat in our row, and, and which was like the second grade or the first grade, then we would hear what the fifth grade and seventh grade mm -hmm. were learning. And sometimes you in the eighth grade. Well, you uh, you listened. I didn't listen to all that. <laughs> well, I thought it was much more interesting than what I was learning. <laughs> yes, good. Well, I know you grew up uh, as a tomboy on that farm. Uh, my father would uh, uh, 
go out into the fields and and uh, Ken and Don and and uh, you would trail behind him. Uh, Kirby had uh, leg problems whenever he is a little boy, and he, if he played outside or worked outside, he cried all night. So mom kind of kept him inside in the kitchen. And but you became dad's tomboy and. And uh, I remember all the uh, activities on the farm. You were front and center, especially writing the trees down. You remember writing those trees? Yes, because uh, it, they were called sprouts. Mm. They were young trees that were called sprouts. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would, uh, in the spring or whenever, he'd, uh, I know they had a lot of leaves on them. I'd get up and my weight would help him cut it down quicker because he cut with an axe. And uh, one day we were down by the ponds and uh, I climbed up in a tree. It was a little bigger than some of the other trees. And he was cutting it down and I guess it fell a different way than he thought it was going to. But I remember seeing leaves, leaves, leaves everywhere. And I don't know if when it knocked my breath out, I don't remember falling, but I remember all those green things and they were trying to find me. And uh, Dad was so worried, but it didn't hurt me. Well, it uh, scared the daylights out of him because I was standing by and I saw it and I saw him suddenly dive into the leaves and the limbs searching for you, and he was tickled whenever he got you out. Uh, you were okay. You, uh, Marilyn, you've had some exciting and interesting positions in your life. Uh, you were not only a housewife, and you raised uh, five children with, uh, with a great deal of uh, gusto, and they are, they are fabulous kids, Patty Ann, Kathy Sue, Janice, Joan, and Ed. Uh, all of them are are very uh, special people, and because I went on your honeymoon, I've been very close to each and every one of them. In fact, we talked to uh, Jan and Waverly on our podcast the other day. And if you I haven't, listened to that. huh? I listened to that. That's very interesting. Isn't he good? Uh, Of course, Jan is uh, superior in whatever she does, but that was my first conversation with Waverly, and that really, really was exciting. He's uh, quite a son-in-law, isn't he? Yes, he is, and uh, Jan has worked very hard for different positions she has held, and she's doing very well in her positions. And uh, her first husband was, uh, well, he uh, he and Jan produced some beautiful children and some very smart children. And they just love Waverly to death. And uh, Waverly and Andy are really good friends. And uh, as most son-in-laws and children, don't you think? Uh, well, yeah, I think so. Uh, Mary Lou, whenever uh, Jan introduced an Afro-American to you as uh, her love, uh, what were your feelings? I had uh, uh, one on their first date, one of their dates, 
they went down to Paducah and uh, went to a restaurant that uh, my grandson John Stockdale was working at. And so John told me that they came in, he's a really nice guy, and uh, then uh, I don't remember exactly when Jan introduced her, introduced him me to him, but my feeling was, if Jan loves him, I love him. Amen. And if he's good, if he's good to Jan, uh, and she, you know, and she's happy. And now I, since I'm older, I have to, I have been living with different ones of my grandchildren, or my children. And uh, I lived with them for quite a while. And Waverly would do everything he could to please me. And because they had stairs, he would help me upstairs all the time. He wouldn't trust Jan to bring me, take me up or bring me down. And uh, so I'm very proud of him. And I think he might say he's proud of me. Oh, I, I think he did. Uh, and and in my two uh, acquaintances, we, uh, on our road trip across America, uh, we came down to see you and uh, Jan and Waverly down in Carbondale, and what a great evening that was. Oh, yes, yes. They have a beautiful home. And uh, they, uh, he has his first experience at gardening because he lived in New York and uh, Chicago. So he hadn't been, you know, garden, gardening. He had some beautiful plants, and a friend of his came down to take care of the house and the two dogs, and he was supposed to water the plants. Well, he did water the plants, but he didn't water them as much as they needed to be. And so some of them kind of wilted. Oh, we were so disappointed. Mm -hmm. But he would call Kirby to get information on plants. Well, Kirby's your uh, next oldest brother. You've got Kenneth, the oldest, Donald, Rex, the second, and then you have Kirby. Uh, Kirby was kind of special in your life, wasn't he? Oh, yes. He, uh, uh, yeah, we didn't go anywhere hardly without each other. And uh, we'd hold hands. I think we held hands until uh, we got in junior, the junior high. Uh, because it was just, you know, he held my hand when we were little cause to keep me safe. And then uh, as we got, got older, it's just a habit. And I was always quiet, so I didn't talk too much, apparently, because Mom came in one day when Kirby and I were doing the dishes, and she said, do you talk to him like that all the time? No wonder you don't have anything to say in aggressiveness. Well, you rightfully so had a connection with Kirby. Uh, you gave him his birthday on his third birthday. Yes, yes. And uh, he has always been a protector, you know. In fact, when my children were born, he just wanted to be, you know, with the kids all the time. And Mom told him, she, she said, Kirby, those are Mary Lou's kids. You need to find you a woman and get your own family. 
<laughs> and he went out and did. Uh, yes. Marilou, I mentioned earlier that you had some great uh, uh, occupations as long as being a mother and a housewife. Uh, but I know you worked for the uh, state of Illinois. Well, I worked for the, uh, one of my first, you know, notable jobs was with the University of Illinois. And I was a... Uh, Oh, went to the homes of lower-income people and uh, teach them food and nutrition. And uh, that is a very eye-opening experience uh, because the poverty and the sanitation and uh, it's just, I mean, you know, when a Cockroach falls down in your lap, and I know that I was in a better area than some people like in the cities, or but you can find people that are uneducated really in cleanliness, and they don't know how to get rid of cockroaches, and they probably live with them all their lives. Hygienes, hygienes. My mother was a uh and your mother was a uh, uh, patriarch and a principal in uh, uh, making hygiene's utmost important. I can remember as a very small boy, her teaching me how to wash my hands and going under each fingernail underwater to clean. So she was sanitary. Yes, yes. Uh, my second child, I guess, not, maybe I'm not putting them in order was at the prison, in the kitchen at the prison. And uh, it is a minimum security prison. What were you charged and, with? Well, I was charged with <laughs> knowing the right people at the right time. Yeah. You were dietitian at the uh, Vienna Correctional Center. Yes, I worked in that department. And uh, one of the interesting uh things that happened there is there were every time someone came into the you know were shift in as it was said from another prison to the minimum security they would have to spend some time in the kitchen well one time this guy he was working on the line and you know he'd get dishes and roll the card in with all the dishes on them and stuff like that and uh you just have natural banter with him. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, when his time was up, he got out of the kitchen. And I don't know what he did then, but he came through one day. And when he was at the, the end of the line, he well, kind of close to me. He said, uh, I'm going to kill you. Have I told you this, Joe? Uh, yeah, but then uh, you haven't told the podcast this. Oh. Well, I just acted like I didn't hear him. And the two men uh, who were prisoners that were serving food next to me, I could, they, I could see their eyes turn between me like, yeah, what's going on? So then he got right in front of me and he said, I'm going to kill you. So then he went down a little further, 
And he said, I said I was going to kill you. So um, I didn't respond. And he went and got to the end of the line where he put his plate down and he came around to the back of the line. And he said, Mary Lou, did you hear what I said? And I said, no. He said, I said I was going to kill you. And I looked in his eyes and I said, are you serious? And he said, yes, I am. So I, he went back while he stood there, not just when he's serving, you know. And so um, then after a while, I went back to the office and I called the control center. And I said, could you tell me what, and I uh, gave his name and number, what crime he minute, he committed to get in, uh, get incarcerated. And they said, look it up, and they said, uh, child molester. He said, why? And I said, well, he just said he's going to kill me. So the fear in that guy's voice that was talking to me, he said, where are you? And I said, I'm in the office in the kitchen. He said, is the door locked? And I said, no. He said, lock the door. He said, the captain will be there. So, of course, the captain came and everything. And uh, it was, uh, they put him in the hole, as they call it, solitary confinement, back to back, 30 days. And then they let him out for couple hours and they put him back in for 30 days and then he was transferred to maximum security prison and uh but you know i looked in his eyes and said are you serious and he said yes well he knew he shouldn't be saying that to me i gave him the chance (laughs) (laughs) yes i remember when john and i came down there and toured the uh, uh, prison uh, with you and and the only thing we thought of I can remember is when we left we thought at first we thought we should take the kids down there you know let them see what prison's really like well when we left we decided that would be the wrong idea because I meant they had it kind of um, I hate to say made because they were had their jam boxes going on and and yelling and carrying on and they were lifting weights they were getting haircuts they were getting fabulous meals and, and joe says uh our kids might like this <laughs> i don't think we better bring them down here <laughs> oh no it was a i i think an experiment and they told the townspeople that it was only going to be prisoners that committed minor crimes well, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the Blitzstick murderer that was in uh, Chicago. He would kill young girls, and then he would write on the mirror, please stop me before I kill again. And uh, he was there. And, uh, of course, he was a good guy. But... Uh, I've had, I've had a few things happen that uh, I wasn't, well, anyway, 
That's a whole different area. <laughs> you mean that's a different podcast? <laughs> yes, completely. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't really think about what they did. And uh, they were, I, I counted some of them as my friends. And, uh, but you're not supposed to do that. Okay, my next job was... <laughs> I worked for the Attorney General's office. Are you still there? Yeah. Yes. Yes, we're, we're mesmerized. Yeah. We're bated breath. I'm waiting. <laughs> well, um... I'm still on the criminals. <laughs> still making friends. I'm thinking, whoa. Well, well I, I, that could be a whole other podcast, but I could tell you the things. i tell you one thing, though. I, uh got some guys see when I went there the roaches were unbelievable They're, in the pot pan room the roaches would be wall to wall oh good and, lord and so there were some guys came in and um, I told them I said if you will take care of this pot and pan room then we'll get along but I want you guys to just be here and stay here. They were and prisoners? So, yeah. Oh. Yes. And so they did. And then I got a a different boss than the one I had. And she was not, she didn't like it that I had, you know, them all cooperating with me. And so uh, this the first time you have it, this one guy came in, and I don't—I never knew his name because his his number was twelve twelve, and so I remembered that. But he said, "Mary Lou, why did you call me in?" I was sewing, and I said, uh, "I didn't call you in," and I had made—you know—I wasn't going to call them in; they were going to be scheduled. Well, she had called them in. And of course, he was. Marlou, what um, does called him? What Marlou, What does called him in mean? Oh, that he was in a storm, and she called and said he had to report to work. Oh, okay. Well, he was probably making a suit for another prisoner, and uh, you know, if if you've ever sewed, you know you don't like to be interrupted. Oh no, no. And when, if I hadn't been there, he would have never been called in because he was off. But so when I found out she was interfering, I just dropped it. And so they all transferred out of the pot and pan room. Hmm. Crazy. So that's the uh, beginning of the new cockroaches and the end of the old, huh? Well, this guy that. You know, he was a civilian. He was a, a officer, I guess you'd say. I guess I was an officer too. And uh, first time we were serving, uh, looked like uh, potato casserole. Well, there was a roach in it. Oh, jeez! <laughs> and uh, I said, "Oh my goodness, there's a roach!" And of course, it's a great big, huge pan. Uh, and 
he said, just dip it out to the sides <laughs> and serve it. Well, I didn't like that, I, so I did change that. Well, they didn't cook roaches. <laughs> Mary Lou, we've got so many more topics we'd like to talk to you about, politics and everything, but... Uh, there's been 45 presidents. Have you had uh, one that you vitalized or that you like better than others? I had one that I admired, and that was Harry Truman. He, uh, he was selected because he was non-trouble, uh, I guess you'd say. He didn't have a following of people that would get all riled up. And so they made him vice president. And he was completely unaware of what was going on. Uh, I guess Roosevelt, like all of us, thought that he would live forever. And so he didn't include him in any of the preparations. And, uh, you know, anything about the war. Well, it was told Truman, after he became president, when they had meetings with the generals, uh, Roosevelt would do all the talking. And when Truman went in, he'd listen to what they said. He found out about the atomic bomb. He didn't know anything about that. And um, then he also found out that the Japanese were not going to surrender. They were going to win the war until the last dog died. And uh, the Japanese civilization at that time believed that their leader was God. It wasn't like he was just somebody that had been elected or chosen or born into it. They believed he was God. And um, it, uh, the fact that they were going to fight to the death of anyone and everyone, well, Truman decided to use the atomic pump. Now, I know some people now think that was an awful thing. And it was an awful thing to have to do. People were getting killed. Our, our soldiers were getting killed, and they were all... It was just going to continue. Anyway, he uh, demanding that the generals listen to him. And I know when Dwight Eisenhower, he said, beware of the war machine. The country can be taken over by the war machine. Yeah, that was as great uh, as he left office. That was his great uh, uh, warning about the uh, military-industrial complex in America taking over. And uh, looks like everything. Well, he, and, uh, everything. He, go ahead. And they don't even think about the boys. You know, like uh, their uh, Vietnam War. I've heard that it was uh, extended because of an election. And it's just uh, unbelievable. 
Well, you know, you uh, read history where uh, when the war was ended, maybe World War One, they ended it, but they didn't end it immediately. They and and generals were sending uh, guys into battle at the last hour, even though the uh, armistice had been signed. So you never know. Mary Lou, one last question before we hang up and get on with our day. Uh, the most important question, you have seven siblings. Which one do you love the most? <laughs> Evelyn, have you got a, a question? You oh, yes, yes. Mind. She wants to know which, which uh, in-law, which in-law do you love the most? <laughs> I will say what mom said. Yeah. Somebody asked, asked her, who, which, who is your favorite child? She said, the one that needs me at the time. Yeah, yeah I, I think. The one she, that's in trouble. Yeah. Joe told me that she said, the one that's hurting the most at this time. And I thought, man, right. that is a perfect answer, isn't it? I mean, get you off the hook, but it's also the sweetest answer. Yes. 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 I love you. I love you, sister Mary Lou. I love well, you, baby. Do you think that this time has been enough for me to tell my experiences? Well, we can always uh, have second edition. One. Yeah, this is just part, part one. one. You know, uh, uh, when you're on uh, Netflix, isn't that it? Netflix. Uh -huh. Uh, there's at least eight series, eight <laughs> episodes. Yeah, yep. five five seasons, eight episodes. <laughs> so, merely this is just touching the beginning. Well, I, I knew that you would probably get around to me. <laughs> I, it was going to be a while, but I, well, so I didn't have the slightest idea of what I would say. Well, he had to save the best for last. Right, Evelyn. <laughs> Joan said you, you were the star of the show. Yeah. Oh, well, no question yes. about it. Unfortunately so. Say good night, Gracie. <laughs> good night, Mary Lou. <laughs> good night, Evelyn. Good night, Joe. Good night, Mary Lou. Bye. <laughs>